0: Good morning. Here's something to think about. Your Creator will not compete for your affection. You ever think about that? He does not have to, that's right. But it's not just that He doesn't have to because He wants it to be your idea. He left that choice totally and completely up to you. Anyway, let's get back to the glory of God. This is a little bit more of a how-to part of the glory of God. Some people seem to get it and some people don't. Brother Mark says over and over he's talked to people about the glory of God and they just kind of stare at him like a calf staring at a new gate when he's done with them. I've tried talking to them and that's just how they look. I mean, I remember one of them where he was trying to tell him about the glory of God and all the guy said when he was done was, Well, it seems like you've lowered your standards. Oh, my. <laughs> Do you realize you guys don't have freedom from sin? You know that you got freedom in sin. You say, oh, man, that sounds terrible. That's the freedom Christ gave us. We didn't stop sinning. You say, I'm free from sin. Yeah, but you're not free from sinning. That freedom is not because you quit sinning. It doesn't have anything to do with you. It has to do with his greatness. It has to do with his majesty, his generosity, his generosity. The great need that we had that only he could meet. That's what it's about. I mean, people get to thinking, you know, so much about me. You got freedom in sin, Christian. Man, that just sounds horrible. That's because you're thinking too much about yourself. When you think that you have freedom in sin, it humbles you. Because that magnifies your need for him. It magnifies the preciousness of that blood and the power it has. You say, Are we supposed to continue in sin? God forbid. Okay, show me somebody that quit. I'm broad minded. I'm optimistic. I'd like to go there. I don't ever see it happening. I remember one preacher preaching a message called Above the Clouds, and in that message, he tells you how you can live without sin, you know, above sin. And he talks about doing it for a few hours one time. Well, it can be done. You realize the stuff that you think is not sin is sin anyway. You know why? You know why? Because when you begin to live like that, you're living based on your efforts. And whatsoever is not a faith is sin. And faith and works are totally opposite each other. Your works are connected to your action, your faith is connected to him. So the minute you accomplish anything, you've moved into that realm. Whatsoever is not a faith is sin. You see that Catch-22? I don't know if any of you ever saw that crazy old movie about the military, Catch-22. The guy wanted to get out of the military because he was going nuts over there. Everybody getting killed and shot up and everything. He went and saw the shrink and the guy says, Well, if you're sane enough to know you want to get out, you can't get out because that proves you're sane. Well, the only way you can be insane is to stay in, but nobody that's insane is going to try to get out because they don't know how bad it is. (laughs) Catch-22. Anyway, Let's get back to the glory of God here. Colossians 1, 9 and 10. For this cause we also since the day we heard it do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now last week we started talking about these things. I say, how do you do that? How do we get there? How can we understand and know him better? First of all, I said, you've got to go against your own nature. Your nature is none seeketh after God. There is none that doeth good, you know. Man at his best states altogether vanity. So you've got to start going against your nature. Your nature is going to be self-serving. Your nature is going to be, what can I do? How can I accomplish? How can I feel better? And most of the time, we want to feel better about ourselves. That's what we really like. In fact, some of us get frustrated when somebody else gets bragged on in our presence because we want them to brag on us. Ain't that something? I read years ago that thing on a holiness nightmare, which is all the sins. And one of those that predominated in my life was always that feeling of uneasiness that you feel when you see somebody doing something you know you could do better. You think that's sin? Well, is that faith? I think it's closer to foolishness. Anyway, moving along. You've got to go against your nature. And then last week I told you that you're going to have to get back to the future. You say, What are we talking about, back to the future? Okay, let's go back to Matthew 18. You know, to get saved, you've got to go back to the future. You know that, don't you? So, what are you talking about? You've got to get back to the cross. That was before you were born. If you're going to have any future at all, you've got to get back to get into the future. Okay, Matthew chapter 18, verses one to four. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called the little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same shall be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You know what's interesting about that? You've got to become like a little child to be converted. And it's connected directly to humility. And you know if you ever got saved, that's exactly what happened to you. And you know what? You were just like a little child that was purely delighted at that time with God. It was just absolutely phenomenal. Everything was fantastic. It couldn't get any better. Every saint was an angel. And God was just the greatest thing that ever existed. There was nothing else that got close to him. And the feeling that you had was one of purity and cleanness. You had a burden lifted off of you. And you had a future. And it was just great to be alive. That's what it was. And it's just like a little kid, man, at Christmas time. But then somebody started yanking you back under the yoke of bondage, didn't they? You know who's primarily responsible, don't you? You are. I mean, you're pretty hard to convince against your will, don't you know that? A man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. It's easy to convince somebody, though, when his will matches what you're saying. You've got to come down here to the confessional get in here and confess all your sins to the priest. Yeah, yeah, that's something I can do. Man, I know I got it now. How come? Did you see what I did? Whatsoever is not a faith is sin. Works are faith. One of the two. Anyway, you got to be like a little child. And that's how you were when you got saved. And you got to be humble. Now, today's children are in contrast to what you just read right there. Big time. Today's children are really messed up. And I think one of the biggest curses on mankind, and I didn't believe this a couple of years ago, but I do now, the biggest curses on mankind is technology. I think if there's going to be anything that destroys people's souls, it's going to be technology. If there's anything that brings about the Laodicean church, it's technology. So what are you talking about? Except these days be short, there should be no flesh left on the earth. Man left to himself will destroy it with the power God gave him through the nuclear weapons. He will kill everything on this planet before it's over. The only thing that's stopping him is God. It sure ain't the devil. And it's not his rational powers of thought, his sense of organization, his ability to control everything around him. Not even close. The only thing holding it back is God. But today's children... They're exposed by the time they're eight years old to what people back in the 1800s didn't know until they were 40. And some of them never knew it. A lot of them never knew the stuff a kid knows by the time he's eight years old today. And I'm not talking about computers and technology and the web. I'm talking about moral character to start with. They're teaching kids stuff now in the beginning grades of primary school that you'd have been embarrassed if you heard after you were married for 10 years, 50, 60 years ago. You don't even know what's going on in schools. You have no idea what's going on. If we actually knew, it would probably scare us half to death. <laughs> Either that or it would make you so mad you'd want to go stop it. Well, God raises that stuff and puts it down. He in not running the whole thing. All you've got to worry about is giving Him your affections. Isn't that nice? He didn't put you in charge of the world, so don't worry that much about it. Anyway... Today's kids are spoiled, they're demanding, they're attention seeking, they're self serving. Their primary fear is what other kids think of them. That's how messed up the kids are today. They're not afraid of their parents, they're not afraid of the law, they're not afraid of death, they're not afraid of anything. They're just afraid of what somebody else thinks about them somebody their own age. That's the truth. And what's the Lord referring to when He calls this little child to him? First of all, he referenced a little child. He didn't reference a teenager. <laughs> he got a little bitty kid over there. What was that kid like? That kid was small. That child was shy. That child was embarrassed. That child was humble. You ever see little kids? They've got that natural defense mechanism. They come in with mommy and they're looking, you know. I get a kick at them, man. Some of them, they look at me with whiskers. I'm sure anybody else that's got a beard or anything, they get the same look, you know. Kids aren't used to seeing that on their daddy or something. They look. (laughs) It's kind of cute. You look back at them and they start hiding. How come? That's not a self-serving, demanding child. What is that? That's a little child. That's a little child that's hiding behind mommy or daddy. Why? Because they trust them. That's where their affection is. That's where their attention is. That's where their security is. Way too many of us, our security is in the things that we think we can do. I got it, God. You don't say that. You know why? Because the thought never even enters into your mind that you don't have it. You just automatically assume, well, I'll take care of this. And then when you find out you can't, then you start praying. (laughs) Now, if you're going to get to the future, and beyond where you're at right now, you're going to have to back up to some of these areas first. You have to go back and think like that little child that you were, that you became when you were born again. You're going to have to think like a little child that's just enamored with the one that saved you, the one that sent him, the one you can say, man, I'm glad you're my father. When you're on that ground, you're on the ground like a little child. Daddy, I can't do nothing without you. That's why I told you that, son, because I want you to know that, because that's important to you. Why? Because then from that moment on, the rest of that stuff's faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please me. So I don't want you to ever think you got it. I want you to know I've got it the whole time. The fact that I'm counting the hairs on your head is not important except if you know that much about me, then you're smart enough and you have enough intellect that I've given you to understand I've got all the rest of it. And I want you to trust me. So quit being so afraid and start developing more of that faith. Anyway, you've got to go back. And that humility is still the key to your creator. I am absolutely, thoroughly as convinced as I can possibly be that the moment you lay eyes on him, you will be the most humble you've ever been since you were created. And you know what will be exalted in your mind and in your heart? His magnificence and his glory. And if you have any other thoughts at all, you'll be impressed by how Everything else he made, the attention is focused right there. And then it'll be, look at how pleased he is. Man, I've never seen a look like that before. You realize that God doesn't talk like anybody else and he doesn't look like anybody else. I mean, some of those indications are never a man speak like this man. Man. When you finally get to where you see him, you're going to be so impressed and overwhelmed. You're going to be like that little kid. He's going to set you down there and you ain't going to say a word. It ain't going to be, hey God, look at all I did for you. You know what Christians remind me of? You say, you include? Absolutely, I'm one. (laughs) When I say Christians, understand that I refer to myself first because I know me better than I know you. I mean, if anything I say applies to you, it's because it applies to me first. (laughs) Christians remind me of somebody that walks into a dark room turns a light on. Say, man, look what I did. <laughs> That's exactly right, Brother Bob. You know what's behind that light? You have any idea what all it takes to turn a light on? You ever been through Gulf Power? I've been inside all them boilers out there, man. I know every part of them. ASME code inspector on all those welds inside of those pressure tubes and lethal service vessels and all the rest of that stuff. You know what's out there? Fire like you guys cannot believe. Imagine a fire about half the dimension of this room, ten stories into the air. A flame that high going constantly. That's what's inside of them boxes. You see those big, tall buildings? That's what's inside of them. And then there's tubes all around the inside of it and all the way up through across the head and all the rest of that that turns into steam and then generates that power, spins those generators, and the wires and the poles and the connectors, even down to the wires in the building and the switch and the light bulbs and the construction it took to hold it up. Man, look what I did, man. (laughs) Let he that thinketh he stand, take heed lest he fall. But that's exactly what it's like. And you know what the problem is? Is we all feel that sense of accomplishment when God allows us to do anything or uses us to do anything. You know what that is, don't you? That's stealing his glory, people. That's what it is. He says, I'll not give my glory to another. What is that? You don't accomplish anything without him. When you finally get there... It'll be he that has done it. Just like it is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. You may water and you may plant, but you can't grow a thing. You know that, don't you? You can water, you can plant, but you can't produce life. You say, well, we have babies. You didn't produce the life that started that whole thing. And all that borroweth life from thee is ever in thy care. <laughs> Ain't that pleasant to know then? Good morning, God. Another day we can think about you a little bit more. Get our attention off of ourselves. Try to overcome some of the years of teaching we've had that led us down the road to think we could do anything. Instead of trying it on our own, you know, God, just help us to start out and then just constantly give you the glory for every single thing that happens, good or bad. Do you love him as much when you lose as when you win? Do you love him as much when he says no as when he says yes? If you don't, it's because your focus is still on yourself. Your focus on him will not change your feelings toward him no matter what he does. Because you're so overwhelmed with him that you aren't even part of the equation. Now that's what the glory of God really comes down to. It's not about us, it's about him. You got to get your mind off yourself. God resisteth the proud, giveth grace to the humble. You start out like that little child, you get humble, you get your mind focused on him. He's got to be the one to show you. He has to show you his glory. You can't get it from anybody else. I had a friend of ours call me up the other day. She said, I got a question for you. I said, What is it? She said, Well, I start going back to church real regular and I got some questions about baptism. <laughs> Lutheran church. I said, Well, what kind of baptism do they do? They sprinkle, they immerse, what do they do? You know? She starts to tell me, I said, you know, realize, of course, that you're going to be influenced by what you want to hear. Your desires will control more of what you believe than truth controls your whole life. You don't think so. Just ask some woman who had been messed up from the time she was a teenager on. They want to believe the stuff that men tell them. That's what makes them vulnerable. This fruit will make you wise. Hmm, not a bad idea. <laughs> now, she was influenced. She was deceived, but the man wasn't. That guy went in with his eyes open saying, I think it's worth it. You don't even know how bad the price is yet. I think it's worth it. Sin will take you further than you wanted to go, keep you there longer than you wanted to stay, and it'll cost you more than you ever expected to pay. That's a fact. That's where a man really messes up because he misjudges the consequences. A woman messes up because she's so influenced by what she wants to believe. Now, does that mean that you're immune to those things, men? No, not at all. Does that mean a woman's not influenced by the same thing a man's influenced by? No, not at all. But generally speaking, that's the rule. What's a man influenced by? Bragging on him. (laughs) You betcha. If I want to win somebody's confidence, if I want somebody to be my friend, all I got to do is just constantly brag on them. Why? Because they like it. Makes them feel good, you know. Then you can start influencing them. Subtly, you know, about like a wife does. (laughs) Wife doesn't make a man do anything. She just gets him to want to. (laughs) Mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Anyway, moving along here. She called me up. She talked to me about all that stuff. And I said, listen, you're going to be so influenced by the things that you desire to believe. That by the time you're done... You go to any church in this town and if you want to believe it, you'll end up believing it. That's absolutely the truth. So I can only give you one piece of advice. Don't listen to me or anybody else that looks like you. You got to go to your creator. You have to talk to him. He won't lie to you. I said, if you'll start talking to him, he's got the ability to respond to you. He's got the desire to respond to you. The only thing you got to do is you got to get your desires toward him. And you can't be asking him questions to find out what you want to find out. She said, what do you mean? I said, you got to ask him for a different purpose. you got to find out what he wants you to find out. She said, huh? I said, let me put it this way. One of your little boys could come up to you and say, mommy, I want to do such and such. Can I do that? And they want you to tell them, yes, that's what they really want. I said, they could come up to you and say, Mommy, do you want me to eat a piece of this kind of candy or that kind of candy? The whole thing's still focused on them. The difference between you praying and asking God for something that is self-serving and going to God like I'm telling you to go to Him is you go to Him for the first time with the desire of, God, what do you want? Not what do I want? What do you want? If one of your kids came to you and said, Mama, what can I do for you? That's the difference. She said, Oh, I got that. (laughs) That's where you're going to have to go. You're going to have to go to God. If you're ever going to understand any of these things, he's going to have to make it clear to you. We will never understand it without him. We cannot do it. It's not possible. For a child to understand their parent, they can't be asking other siblings. You know that? I don't care how smart they are. If my kids want to understand me, they can't ask each other. Their mother's tried to help them understand me. She tells them the truth, man. She's told me over and over and over little different things. You know, I've told them this and I've told them that. And I said, yep, that's true. That's exactly right, you know. But if they're going to understand me, they're not going to figure me out on their own. One of the ways you know that for sure... It's right there. Where is your understanding going to get you? It's going to bring you to your own conclusion. It'll develop an opinion in your mind that you will view as fact and then you'll act on it. That's exactly what will happen. You know what that ends up like? It ends up with pride and works and look at me and feeling better about me and self-esteem. and That's where it ends up. That's your understanding. Your understanding is self-serving. That's what it is. Solve your problems. Get you what you desire. You know, more for you. Influence people. Make you feel good. That's where it all ends up. The thing in the mirror. That's what benefits. What we got to do is we got to get away from the mirror and get over to that glass darkly and start trying to see beyond it. That's what we need to do. And in order to do that, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to bring some desire to the table. The next thing you've got to do is you've got to get back to get to the future. You've got to start thinking back like you did when you were first saved. And God equipped every single one of us. And we, through our own desires and the influence around us, went right on back like a bunch of teenagers to where we thought we had all the answers. Next week, we'll look at this a little bit more because there is some hope in the future there. If we just do what he tells us to do, he will show us. That's right. It is his desire for us to know him better as long as it's for the right reason. Let's close in prayer.